He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. About 15 years ago or so, uh, my wife Melinda, our daughter Cameron, and I got to go to a place where we never thought we would go, and that was Hawaii. We never thought that we would get to visit a place like that, see things we saw, do things we did. It was, uh, it was pretty incredible. Um, but I can tell you, at least from my and my wife's perspective, I don't know about our daughter. She, she probably would tell you a different story, but... From our perspective, we, we would probably not go back to Hawaii. Uh, it was incredible. It was really neat. I mean, beautiful. Uh, but the truth is that it's such a long flight there. At this age, particularly, I'm just not really interested in that. Now, I can tell you this also, though, that there is only one reason that if I was going to go back that I would want to go. You can probably run through your mind all the different things that you like about Hawaii, whether you've been there or just seen or heard about it. And maybe you can come up with some thoughts as to why I would want to go back. But the, the one thing that might surprise you is that it had nothing to do with the beaches, had nothing to do with the water. It was all about Pearl Harbor. For me, it made such an incredible impact on me. I mean, it was such a, such a somber, sobering moment to, to, to go to the theater and sit in there with 40 or 60 people, whatever it was, to watch the video of the attack, uh, the Japanese coming in and attacking Pearl Harbor and the thousands of soldiers and others who were killed. And, and then to leave the theater and just to feel the hush that was over everyone. And people weren't talking. It was, you knew that this was just a very serious time. And when we got outside, we got on the ferry, we rode over to the memorial itself. And there at the memorial, it was the same. It was quiet. People were just thinking. They were remembering what they had just seen. And they were understanding what each of the names on the wall represented. 
someone had died. I've thought about that many times. I don't think I will ever forget the impact it made on me. I don't think I'll ever forget how, how surreal it was. And as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know what? The, the memorial did its job. It really did. It caused me to think. It caused me to, to, to maybe consider a little more deeply what had taken place, consider the lives that had been lost. I, I really believe that the memorial did its job. Today we're going to be looking at a different memorial. We're going to be looking and memorializing what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. And it's been my prayer that the memorial is going to do its job today. Now, I don't mean that to sound disrespectful, because when I talk about the memorial, I'm talking about the act of memorializing, and therefore the responsibility falls on me, I believe. Not only me, I believe it also falls on you. It's my responsibility to present what Jesus Christ did in such a way that it makes a lasting impact on our minds. That we can't just escape it. We can't just walk away and we've forgotten about it. It's my prayer that the memorial today is going to do its job and it's going to make a significant impression on us before we leave. So what does doing its job look like? I really believe that that this time is determined to cause us to think, to cause us to consider. But I think it's going to, at least my prayer is, that it's going to move us beyond the thinking stage to the action stage. In fact, I believe there are three things that God calls us to. If we read... 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Paul's account of what Jesus Christ delivered to him, he then delivered to the church. I believe there is found three steps that are involved in this process, this memorial process. As we today honor what Jesus did, as we memorialize it, I believe there are three things that we ought to do. And number one is this. If you've got your study guide, grab it out and write this down. Number one... I believe that God brings us to the place to recall what Jesus Christ did. Number one, to recall. If you have your study guide, you'll see the verses listed at the top of the sheet for you. Now, follow along as I read verses 23 through 26 to begin. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I believe that God today is calling us to remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. 
I believe He wants us to visually see what was done on our behalf. He wants us to recall the fact that Jesus was beaten so badly. Now this isn't a beating like many of us got when we were kids. This was so severe, the Bible tells us that His back was shredded. You know, like hamburger meat. That Jesus suffered the abuse of man as they spat upon him, as they jerked his beard from, the, from his face, as they beat thorns, thorns into his head, as they nailed him to a cross. Can you imagine the agony of that? Can you imagine the suffering that was associated with such abuse? And then on top of that, to think that he did that for me. I, I honestly struggle with that. that. That he would sacrifice himself. That he would suffer such abuse for somebody like me. And maybe, maybe you're a better person than I am. And as a result, it's not quite as difficult for you to accept that. But, but for me, I, I just believe that I'm not sure I could do that for somebody else. I'm not sure that I could, I could subject myself to such cruelty for somebody else. I believe the day is coming when we will be asked to do that for our Savior. And I hope in that moment that the that there's strength enough in me to, to subject myself to it then. But I'm talking for another human. I'm just not sure that I could, I could do that. And yet Jesus did that for me. I am amazed by that. The blood that was pouring from his body. It, it wasn't just, oh well, here's another thing that's going to happen. No, this was part of the plan of God, that the blood of Jesus would be poured from his body because that was what would cover our sin. That's what would make it possible for us to forego the wrath and judgment of Almighty God. That's what would make it possible for us to have a relationship with the Father. That's what would make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sin, of our rebellion against God. That's what would make it possible for us to inherit eternal life. Christ's sacrifice. And God says, I want you to remember... I don't want you to ever forget this. It, it, it's so important to our Christian faith that we continually remember what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. It's so important that we pass that information on to the next generations. That we continually illustrate this. That we involve ourselves and engage in this memorial time so that those who follow us understand the significance and the value and the importance of this as well. It's vital, vital. And so he calls us to recall what Jesus did for us. The second thing, your second fill-in, is that he then calls us to reflect. The first one, recall, is where we think about what Jesus did. Reflect now is where we turn inward for a few minutes and we begin to examine our own lives. Paul tells us to do this in verses 27 through 32. 
He said, Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the Lord's body or discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, if we judged ourselves accurately, if we judged ourselves honestly, we would not be judged. Verse 32. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So here he tells us how important this is to God. That we not only recall what Jesus has done, but then that we examine our own lives. We begin to look deep inside to determine what's there that has no business being there. As Christians, there's a responsibility that we settle these issues with God immediately. But how much more important it is when we are about to engage the memorial of Christ's sacrifice for us. How much more vital it is because it states the significance of this in our lives. It shows the importance of this in our lives. That we recognize that Jesus died for the very things that we are harboring in our lives. That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was payment for what we have done. And we do not dare enter into this memorial with that rebellion hidden in our lives. Quite honestly, we can try to mask it. We can try to make it look good. We can explain it away. But if there's sin in our lives, we must deal with it. And why? Because to do anything otherwise is to spit upon the sacrifice of Jesus. It's to mock it. It's to say it's of no value, it's of no consequence, to take it passively, to, to appear nonchalant about what is happening here, is to mock and to ridicule what Jesus Christ has done. And I can tell you from exactly what the Apostle Paul writes, that's something that God does not take lightly. He said, many are weak and sick among you. Some have even died. That's not to say that everyone who's weak and sick and has died has done this, but it is certainly to say that there are those who fit into that category. As I was preparing for this study, I guarantee you this part really struck me. This part really struck me. Even this morning, I was still going through my mind, God, what's there that doesn't need to be there? There are times, this, this may or may not relate to you, I, I don't know, but as a pastor, there are times when I'm getting ready to speak that I feel like there's something blocking the working of God in my life. And, and so I begin to search. I began to dig a little deeper. God, what is it? And as I was sitting over here before the first service, uh, engaging in the music, God just impressed upon my heart. Here's what it is. I said, oh, God, I'm sorry. 
I see that. How important it is that we take the time to examine our lives. Because Paul said, if we would do this and truly do it, honestly take a look at our lives and deal with these issues, then God wouldn't have to judge us. God wouldn't have to discipline our lives because we've already dealt with it. And so today, God is calling us to recall. He's calling us to reflect. And number three, He's calling us to recommit. To recommit. I think this is a natural flow of the process. I, I believe that if I refuse to recall what Jesus has done, if I refuse to remember the sacrifice that was made, then I'm not going to take the next step, and I'm not going to go to the place to where I am, I am examining my life, reflecting on my life. And if I refuse to go to that next step where I refuse to examine my life, then I'm also not going to go to the third step where I recommit myself to God. But if I'm willing to go through that process and I recognize that there is sin in my life, I also have to recognize that that sin has kept me from being everything that God wants me to be. That it has hindered my effectiveness as a believer. It's hindered my effectiveness as a child of God. And therefore, I confess that as sin and I ask God to use me once again. To use me in a way that he intended to from the very beginning. To elevate me to a new level of use. God, I want to be used. And so I examine my life, I confess my sin, and I commit myself once again to be used of God. What does that look like? I think there are three aspects of this. You've got them listed there as A, B, and C. Letter A, I believe that first of all we recognize His mercy. We recognize the mercy of God. That Jesus didn't come to the earth and die because I'm such a great guy and I deserve that. I cannot claim that, that he had to look down through eternity and say, you know what, Tom Goss is going to be born someday and that guy's going to be amazing. I've got to have Jesus die for him. I can't get out of it. That's just bound. No. And I can assure you that we're all in the same boat. We all fit into this same category. We don't deserve it. It's an act of God's great mercy. That he extends to us something that we do not deserve. We cannot possibly earn. God extends his mercy. And he wants us to recognize that mercy. He wants us to quit trying to make believe as if we've done something to justify his act of kindness on us. He wants us just to accept that we've done nothing, that it is all the mercy of God. The second part of this, letter B, is that he wants us to realize his heart. He wants us to realize his heart. He wants us to see that what he does for us and what he's done for us is done out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son. He gave him 
Once again, not because we were deserving, but because he loved us. What an amazing concept. God loved us that much that he gave his son. And I believe if we do these first two, if we recognize his mercy, if we realize his heart, then it's going to put us in a place to where we prioritize his plan. Let her see. We prioritize his plan. Where I stop prioritizing my will, where I stop prioritizing my plan, and I put at the top of my list, not somewhere down in the bottom if there's time, but at the top of my list, God, what do you want? That's what goes first. What are you looking for in my life? What are you wanting me to accomplish today? That's the priority. I believe that as Americans, we've gotten this kind of warped. We've gotten it out of sync. We, we've determined that making money is my priority. Advancing in my career is my priority. Gaining more possessions, that's my priority. Building my bank account, that's my priority. Making more friends, getting more influence, that's my priority. And God is calling us today to recommit, to say, No, God, I want you to be my priority. And so God is calling us to recall, to reflect, to recommit. And it's been my prayer that we do just that. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. I had a head start on you. But now it's your turn. I want to give you an opportunity to do those three things. Think about what Jesus has done. Reflect upon your own life. Examine what's in your life. Confess it before God and then recommit yourself to Him. For those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is such a significant, important time that one of the things we ask you in, in us engaging this memorial is that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you just, you don't involve yourself. There's too much at stake. This is too important. Don't nonchalantly come into this. This, this is very significant. If you don't know if your children are, are part of the family of God... Then, then don't let them participate. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can. You can. You can come to the place to where you know Him as Lord of your life. And really, it's just a matter of saying, God, I'm sorry. I've, I've rebelled against you, or what the Bible calls sin. I've sinned against you. And I know Jesus died for me and you raised him back to life. And so today I ask him to be Lord of my life. Forgive my sin and save me. It's just a matter of saying that. And here's the, here's the truth of the matter. You say this and you mean it. You're going to notice a change in your life. All of a sudden your priorities begin to change. All of a sudden the things you used to think about 
begin to change. The things you used to do, those desires begin to change. If you don't notice a change in your life, then probably this was just an emotional moment for you. There was no truth in it. It wasn't real to you. If you don't know Christ, then I invite you today to call on Him. If you'd like to talk with someone, I'll be right here at the front. I invite you just to come while everybody else is praying. Just come and meet me here. We'll, we'll sit aside for a second. I'll share with you God's Word. No pressure. Just let you know what God says in a more detailed way. And then you can make a decision based on that. So God calls us to recall, to reflect, to recommit. If you're a child of God, I'm praying that right now you're going to do that.